What's up, church? Is doing good? You awake? Good. Hey, and how, who of you like fair rides? You like fair rides? Anybody? Raise your hand high, proud. More adventurous group than first service, okay? I don't know if that's saying something. Uh, but hey, I hate fair rides. Hate them. Now let me tell you why. Is that cool? Let me put you in my, uh, my situation. I was 12 years old. Some of you are thinking Brandon as 12-year-old is terrible. Um, so I'm in the backseat of some family friend's car, and uh, we were driving to this thing we call the Midway in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Now, I grew up driving by the Midway, right? And, and I couldn't do it because I wasn't tall enough and wasn't old enough. But this was the year I was able to go to the Midway. And so I was super, like, uber excited, but I was with the cooler kids who were older, so I had to contain myself. You didn't want to be that little annoying kid, 12-year-old, who's just super excited. You had to stay cool, okay? So I'm in the car. We're driving to the Midway. We get there, get out, walk up to the ticket booth, and I've got to say, I was super excited, and I just, I was like, yep, this is going to be good. Oh, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's cool, because I was really cool when, tw when I was 12. Uh, so we got the tickets, and we, you know, the big, the big decision is what, what, ride you're going to ride the first one, okay? So I decided, we, would, we decided we would ride the, the star, the, the spaceship looking like UFO thing, you know what I'm talking about? The thing, so, you know, we get in line, we get inside, and you're supposed to stand against the wall, okay? You all know what I'm talking about? And so it starts, right, and, and this is fun, right? And, and I can't move, because it's spinning so fast. And so I'm just there, and I'm, this is okay. And I had a lot of fun. But the thing is, after I got done, I was feeling a little woozy. So as any 12-year-old kid would do, I took five minutes, gathered myself, stayed cool the whole time, didn't tell anybody I was feeling bad. And then we went to the next ride. And the one we chose was the, you know, the spider-looking one. I don't remember what it's called. Yeah, so you're like, oh, my goodness. Um, so this is the one, we're standing in line, and this thing's, you know, throwing people up, throwing people down, it's spinning, and then the, the little thing you sit in, that's spinning too, so you're like spinning, but spinning at the same time. And so I was super excited, it looked like awesome, everybody's happy, they get off, they're smiling. So, you know, we walk up, and I get in my spot, click, I had to say cool, yep, this is good, mm-hmm. And then about 15 seconds in to the ride, I started having some inner dialogue, <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, this, this is not good. No, Brandon, it's cool. It's going to be done soon. No worries. It ain't going to be done soon enough. Nope. And then with that, I, bleh, on the ride, in my cool clothes. Y'all don't know what it's like to be embarrassed until you have walked around with hundreds of people, maybe even thousands of people with your insides on your cool clothes. Right? So luckily, the people I was with, they, they were, you know, older, they was cool, they had uh, some sweatpants and sweatshirt that I wore, so I changed out of those clothes in the car, and I got out still smelling like puke, you know what I'm saying, parents, you, that's fresh on your mind, um, it's mine anyway, um, so I get out, and I was stuck there, because I rode with other, you know, them, and so I... I, was, I wasn't going to go anywhere, so I walked back into the midway. And then my dumb 12-year-old self had a bright idea. I'd ride another ride. All my insides are out anyway. 
what could what what bad thing could happen? So, you know, I chose I, I chose the little puny teacup thing. You know what I'm saying? It didn't look that bad. <laughs> so yeah, I just got in line. This this looks good. You know, it's the one that you know does the figure eights. So like, it spins you and then it spins again, and it's like the same concept, but you're not going up and down. So I thought it would be all right. So I get in, click. It's cool. Starts going 15 seconds in. I have that same inner dialogue. This, this is not good. It's cool, man. It's going to be done soon. No, it's not. No, it's not. And then I hurled up more on myself again. Oh, that's a terrible. I hate fair rides. <laughs> Anybody have an experience like that? We need to talk, Vince. That's some things in common. You see, I hate fair rides, but the thing is, there's a fair ride you and I cannot escape. And it's called the Tilt-A-Whirl. Because while you are sitting still and I'm standing still, we are all spinning at a rate of 1,000 miles per hour and hurling through space at 67,000 miles per hour around a burning inferno with helium, hydrogen, and a bunch of other stuff. You see, motion is a paradox because it's dependent upon our perspective. But luckily for us, gravity keeps us grounded, pun intended. <laughs> Some of you are like, well, okay. That wasn't very funny. <laughs> but that's not the only paradox that exists in our world. Consider this. Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, some of you may know this to be true. The more you know about a topic, the harder it is to teach someone the basics because you just forget what you already know, right? You forget what it was like to know nothing. Another one, uh, you guys are familiar with the continent called Antarctica, right? It's like, it's like ice. That's about it. Well, did you know that technically it's classified as a desert? Antarctica, a desert. See, it's, it's covered in ice, which is like water, you know, frozen, but it doesn't, it gets like less than two inches of rainfall or snowfall in that case. So it's classified as a desert. Isn't that interesting? Or consider this paradox. Jesus said, he said a lot of paradoxes. He said, the only way you can find yourself is if you, what, what does he say? Lose yourself. I don't find myself, lose myself. That's kind of confusing. Or consider this one. God is three persons yet one being at the same time, known as a trinity. But maybe the most mind-boggling, mind-blowing paradox that exists in existence is this one. That God, the creator of everything, decided to join in on the party as a baby. That Jesus was fully man, or fully baby, as we like to think of him now, in this season, and yet fully God. Now, some of you are like, that's not possible. But we just talked about, it's, it's a paradox. Don't act like paradoxes don't exist. But here's the thing. If you're, if you're anything like me, and, and you begin to think about just the nature of God and how great he is and how glory, 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 just he's so big and so amazing and just you start, your head starts to hurt. Anybody there? 
Ever had to think? And you're like, I'm going to stop this because my mind, my, my brain's going to explode. You see, I think the, the problem we come into contact with when we start to consider Jesus being God, being mighty God, is that we have no context, or we think we don't, to keep that truth tangible. It's one thing to read that, that in Scripture that God is, is mighty and, and he's amazing and powerful and holy and loving all at the same time, but it's a whole other thing to know it on another level than just to read it. So what we could do today, because we're going to be talking about Jesus being mighty God, because we, we talked about Isaiah 9-6. Let me read that for us today. Isaiah 9-6, that's, we've been in a series called He Shall Be Called, and Kenny introduced it last week with Jesus being the wonderful counselor. And so let's, let's read this together. Isaiah 9, 6, it's up there. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I think there's a point in which we get to as human beings when we start to think upon something that is so big, or in this case, someone who is so big, that the, the, grand, the grandiose nature of that person or of that thing gets way far beyond our comprehension, right? And we have no ability to even really resonate with it. You see, Isaiah prophesied this about Jesus over 700 years before he was born. He said, Jesus, a child born, a son given, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Jesus, mighty God. You see, we, we have some options to go from here. You ever read those stories where you, like, you choose your own path or whatever thing? It's kind of fun. Um, so we, could, we, could, we have some options. Talking about Jesus being mighty God. That's no, that's no small order for me to talk about in a room full of people. So what we could do is I could go back to my theology classes and talk about how God is omniscient, om omnipresent, and how he, he knows everything. He's so powerful. And we could start talking about all these different comparisons where we consider like a person who is just so mighty, maybe Hercules, and we can talk, talk about how God is so much bigger than he is. And we could just make comparisons like that. We could do that. We could, we could look at synonyms, you know, go to thesaurus.com and look at what's, what's the synonym for mighty. And we could talk about that. But we're not going to do that this morning. Instead, what I would like for us to go on a journey of is I want to offer us some real-world context that maybe will, will allow us to at least a little bit understand that Jesus, while being fully man, was also fully God, and not just fully God, but mighty God. And, and there's, a, there's an author, his name is N.D. Wilson. He wrote a book called Notes from the Tilt-A-Whirl, and that's where I get this idea that we're all on a tilt-a-whirl. Uh, my favorite book of all time, you should read it. He did not pay me for that endorsement. Uh, but he describes this sort of struggle that we are all in when we think upon God. This is what he says. Imagine a poem written with such enormous three-dimensional words that we had to invent a smaller word to reference each of the big ones that we had to rewrite the whole thing in shorthand, smashing it into two dimensions just to talk about it. Or don't imagine it. Look outside. 
Human language is our attempt at navigating God's language. It is us running between the lines of his epic, climbing on the vowels and building houses out of the consonants. There's a, there's a couple of theological ideas I want to just lay the groundwork for, and then we're going to move past that, uh, or really just expound upon one. There's this idea called general revelation. They get it from Romans 1 and another number of areas. But the idea is that we can look at what God has created just by looking at it, with, that, with no presuppositions, no already beliefs or, you know, bents toward us. And just by looking at what God has created, we would come to the conclusion that there is a God. That we may not know what he is like, but we do know that he created all of us. And that's general revelation. That's to be compared to special revelation, which is what we have in scripture, that God has revealed himself in a special way. So we're going to look at special revelation, but today I want us to kind of zero in on uh, creation. And just the idea of that, that if we can understand that God has created all these things and when we, we're going to get to this point where we're not even going to be able to comprehend his creation and then we realize that God himself is outside of all of it, mighty, powerful, and amazing. So let's just start with us, people, human beings, right? Because we all like to consider ourselves that cool? Let me just tell, tell you how awesome you are. Sound good? Let's do this. All right. Did you know that inside of you is 60,000 miles of blood vessels? 60,000 miles. That's enough to go around the earth two times with enough left over to go to, to Alaska. Or no, Australia. From here. You know, if, if uncoiled, the DNA in all the cells in your body would stretch 10 billion miles from here to Pluto and back. Isn't that crazy? Your brain can recognize a sound 10 times faster than the blink of an eye. Think about this. If the human eye was a digital camera, it would have... 576 megapixels. Take that, iPhone. Right? Mm. <laughs> now, don't try this next one at home, okay? Everybody agree? Shake your head yes. The acid in your stomach is able to, let me get the right word, dissolve razor blades. Don't try it at home. Okay? <laughs> really bad. Well, my pastor said to do it. No, he did not. Think about this. Your brain contains on average 10 billion neurons, and each of these neurons contains 25,000 connections to other neurons. Estimates have been made that your brain has the capabilities of holding 1 million times as much information as you can learn in a lifetime. If your brain were a computer, it would be really expensive because that computer could do 38,000 trillion operations per second. 38,000 trillion operations per second. But here's the thing. We could go on and on about how awesome we are, and many of us would enjoy it. I know I would. But even crazier than our anatomy is the fact that God created us all, with all that intricacy he didn't have to get his hands dirty. He just spoke. And there we were. Spoke. 
And what resulted is beautiful individuals like you. So next time you're in front of a mirror, say, you're beautiful. But let's, let's zoom out a little bit. Let's consider animals and plants for a moment, okay? That cool? Did you know that there is an animal called copepod, and he's right there. Don't worry, he's not going to jump out at you, okay? Some of you may be freaked out. Let me tell you about this guy. He is in nearly every freshwater habitat, habitat, and they are the world's fastest animal relative to their size. Cheetahs ain't got nothing on him. They're able to jump at a rate of about half a meter per second, and they are only one millimeter long. So let me give you some context for that. If we had the same strength as they do, you and I, it would be pretty cool, we'd be able to jump about a half a mile in one second flat in water. How many of you like math? Way more than in first service. I don't know what that says about them or about you. Um, did you know honeybees are tiny math nerds just like you who raised your hand? They know that the world is round and are able to calculate angles. <laughs> Yesterday, I was talking, talking to my wife about this. And uh, <laughs> now she wouldn't do this because she's way nicer than I am. But I was saying, because she wants to become a math teacher, right? And so I was saying, when you're teaching high school geometry and a kid can't calculate an angle, you could just tell them, you're dumber than a honeybee. She wouldn't do that, though. I'm way, way meaner than her. <laughs> Houseflies hum in the key of F. They sing better than we do, many of us. Think about this. There are, the earth has more than 80,000 species of edible plants. And there are 70,000 plant species that are utilized for medicine, almost as if God has given us everything we need right here. Now, some of you, <laughs> who of you kind of like to, you know, maybe you have some acreage or something at your house, or maybe you like to go to places, right? This may freak you out. Uh, on average, there are 50,000 spiders per acre in green areas. <laughs> right? No! I will stay on the concrete. Thank you. <laughs> uh, did you know that fleas, we don't like them, but they're pretty cool. They can jump up to 200 times their height. That is the equivalent of a man jumping the, empire, the entire Empire State Building in New York. <laughs> pretty cool, isn't it? Let's zoom out a bit, though. Did you know? This, I'm, this is the only thing I'm going to say about Earth. This is pretty crazy. There's an astronomer named Dr. Hugh Ross, and he calculated the probability that the 322 known parameters required to support life on a planet would be in place together equals this. So, so every parameter, they all have to come together in one place, 322 of them. If anything's missing, it doesn't happen. He calculated the probability that we would be here. This is the number he came up with. There is a less than one chance in 10 to the 282nd power that all those things would be in one place providing the environment that we need to live. Now, let me give you context for <laughs> what that number is. Some of you count this or something, okay? Here, here it is. This, that's the amount of million, trillion, 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 trillion. Trillion, 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 
trillion, trillion. <laughs> Friends. Worst statistical impossibilities. That's, that's way crazy. But let's zoom out a little bit more. Let's talk about the universe. Did you know that there are hundreds of billions more galaxies in the universe containing at least 10 billion trillion stars? Did you know that the universe is expanding and current estimates are, and these change some, so current estimates are that it is the size of 150 billion light years in diameter. That doesn't mean much to us, but what's a, what's a light year? Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. Uh, it's this many. 5.88 trillion miles is one light year. And our universe is 150 billion of those in diameter. And according to astronomers, approximately 275 million new stars are born every single day. Standing still, sitting still in this place, spinning and hurtling through space. We all are. And, and here we are, human beings with great minds, able to do many things, confronted with the truth that in the grand scheme of things, we are all very, very small. That we are here considering the fact that outside of all of that that we just went through, holding it all together is mighty God Jesus. That just looking at creation doesn't even begin to describe how great and how powerful and how big God is. Jesus, the mighty God, the one we were created by and for, the one who has the universe as his canvas, he is still painting today. He is still at work. I love thinking about this. The breath we breathe in our lungs right now, it is here because God decided to create it and not only that, but sustain it. Colossians 1, 15 through 17 says this. He, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And here he is, Jesus, mighty God, a baby without a room in the inn. So small and yet infinite. So little and yet the mighty God. The author of everything that exists who decided to enter the story that he was telling to be the hero that we all needed, to be the sufficient savior that none of us can be, but he decided to enter into it and become one of us and give himself up for you. Indy Wilson says it better. I'm going to quote him again. This is what he says. He exists on two planes. He, he sees the story as he tells it while he weaves it, shapes it, and sings it. And he stepped inside it. The shadows exist in the painting. The dark corners of grief and trial and wickedness all exist so that he might step inside them so we could see how low he can stoop. In this story, the author became flesh and wandered the stage with Hamlet, offering his own life. 
in this story, the author heaped all of that he, all of that he loathed, all that displeased him, all the wrongness of the world onto himself. And so our response to Jesus, mighty God, I believe, must be to join in with the chorus of creation and give him praise. To join in with the chorus of creation and give him praise. The chorus of creation. Let me read this to you. Psalm 148 verse 1 says this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the skies. Wouldn't it be cool if all of creation, everything that exists, were singing a song to God and praise to him? Would that be pretty cool? I think it would. So Jay and I want to show you something really good. Because it could be that all of creation understands who is creator understands who is God and understands their place in the story and their response is to give him praise. So I need Jay up here because uh, he's a very handy guy. Way to go, buddy. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. I want to show you something. Uh, this guy right up here, show it up there, is, is named Vela Pulsar. That's, that's him. Um, let me tell you a little bit about him. He's a highly magnetized neutron star and he's a thousand year, light years away. It ex and he, he exploded into a supernova, nova, collapsed back in on himself, and is become a magnetic entity, okay? I, I know this is like, whoa, okay. And now he's oscillating on his axis. I keep saying him, whatever, it's a star. Uh, on its axis, 11 times a second. And what it's doing is, if you see that up at the top right, it's shooting a radio frequency out of himself, and when in New Mexico and other places in, in not just the country but the world, when they pointed the radio telescopes at Vela Pulsar, this is what they heard. Almost like the star wants to become the star of the drumline for God, right? <laughs> Let's consider this, 47 Tuck. It's a cluster of stars, and there's uh, 16 of those pulsars in there. And again, this is the sound they are making right now. Wait for it. beautiful, right? Kind of creepy a little bit too, right? If we're honest. 47 Tuck said, all right, Vela Pulsar, you got the drum line. I'll give you your string section, God. A little string action there. But not to leave the chorus out, whales are singing to their creator, and this is what they sound like.
Psalm 148, one verse two says this, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him from the skies, praise him all his angels, praise him all the armies of heaven. Can you just imagine what it would be like to be in the throne room of God and hearing all of creation sing in praise to the one true king? Wouldn't that be crazy? Maybe you're thinking, what song would they sing? What would they be singing? Angels, heavens, armies, stars, whales. But what if we could just get a glimpse of what that might be like for God? I don't know if this is what it really sounds like, but it's what it sounds like to us. So Jay and I were inspired by a pastor by the name of Louis Giglio. Giglio. You may have seen this done on YouTube, but we're going to do it right here in-house and uh, see what creation is singing in praise to God. And I think it might be pretty cool. So, DJ J, hit it, bro. Now, what you're about to hear is PSRBO329-54. That's a star. We didn't talk about him, but we need him for what we're about to do. It's a good metronome kind of thing, setting the beat, right? Maybe he's the bass and the drum line, okay? Now, let's throw Bella Pulsar in there with him. We slowed him down a bit just to make sure that he's on tempo because he was getting a little too fast for what we're trying to do. So we slowed him down a bit, got him, hey man, a little too fast. This is what he sounds like. I don't know what I'm saying, yeah. You can bob your head a little bit. Drop a spoken word track here in a minute. Just kidding, won't do that right now. Now let's, let's uh, throw those strings in, 47 Tuck and his 16 friends. Psalm 148, verse 3 says this, Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you twinkling stars. Stars don't just shine in the sky. They sing to God. <laughs> Golly, that's good. Let's, let's, let's get the whales in here. Praise the Lord from the earth, you creatures of the ocean depths. Stars and whales giving praise to God. They sound pretty good, don't they? The thing about creation is that everything else is obedient. They understand who their God is. Usually, you and I are the stubborn ones in giving him praise. God's word says, praise the Lord. And maybe, maybe just maybe, we could join in because this is what it says in verses 11 to 13 in Psalm chapter 148. It says this, kings of the earth and all people, rulers and judges of the earth, young men and young women, old men and children, let them all praise the name of the Lord. For his name is very great. His glory towers over the earth and heaven. Mm. 
is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. No one will see how great, how great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. It's our great is our God. of creation and give him praise because all of creation is singing to him right now every day Father we lift up your name because you are great 
the amazing minds that you've given to us. We can't even begin to comprehend how amazing, how great you are. God, I pray that as we just consider how great and how mighty you are, that we would remember that Jesus, that he was sent, he was born as a baby, and yet he was still fully God. And he was born to die so that he could pay the price for each one of us. And God, when I think about that in the context of this conversation about how great and mighty you are, it blows my mind, and I think it may just blow all of our minds that you are so great, so glorious, and yet you decided to love each and every one of us in a way that is sacrificial, in a way that gives us the ability to be called not just your creation, but your sons and daughters. Father, I pray that you would open up our hearts to the truth that you are mighty. Father, we love you, and we praise you, and we give you all the glory because you deserve it all. It's in Jesus' name we pray. We all said, amen. The band's going to continue playing the song, but you guys are free to